0: If
1: you
0: got anything to say, say it <laughs> All right All right, well let's take this song book out Stand together And let's turn to 506 Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine 506
2: Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long Perfect submission, perfect delight Visions of rapture now burst on my sight Angels they send me, ring from above Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Amen.
0: Praise the Lord. Good to be in church with you tonight. Amen. Prayer request tonight. Anybody? Yes, I'm sorry. I wasn't looking your way up, there.
1: I sent um, Diane to the doctor on Monday.
2: Okay.
1: And they had just pulled out six liters of stuff off of her stomach. And then on Monday, there was about three liters there again. Mm-hmm. So every three, three days, three, four days, she has to go and have that done. All right. Well, that cost her $75 every time. Wow. And she said, too much. So what the doctor talked about was putting a catheter in and letting hospice come then and take care of her. Right. Well, we really need to pray for it because when she heard hospice, she thought, oh, my gosh, I'm dying.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, that was her first thought. And tried to explain to her that, right. that she needed acute care. So...
0: Just, let's just really keep her in our prayers because she's not having
1: a you know, good time to thank
0: you. Right. So, Praise, well, we'll be praying for her that, yeah. that all that can. Yeah, that's what makes the right decision. Yeah. yeah. Have the
1: tube and the thing won't cost her anything. Exactly, her. yeah. All right, we'll be lifting her up in prayer. Others tonight? Yes, Miss Charlotte? Hey, man, I not talk
0: to my foot again. Mm-hmm. Definitely doing that. Amen. Somebody else? Anybody? Prayer request? Well, I want you all to lift up in prayer my friend Carl Cullum. Uh, he's he's still not doing well and, and struggling. And his kidneys, he's having problems with his kidneys. Um, also, we need to pray for Scott. Um, we need to pray for, for him to get some help, from doctors. They don't seem to be in a hurry, and he needs somebody to get in a hurry. I um, also want to mention tonight, I want you to pray. Two meetings that are going on tonight, I want you to pray for. Over in Paris at Brother Mike Clark's church, Spring Lake over there. Uh, Brother Tino Gropi is there. It's his last night there. And um, and he's, you know, he's doing a good job. But pray for them that God will use him and it will get a hold of somebody. And then also tonight, we, me and Mom the last two nights, we've been driving over to Mount Vernon that tent revival that Calvary Baptist Church over there is having. And uh, my friend Mark Wheeler's preaching there and singing. And uh, we went last night, and uh, we sang the first song, and, and then the preacher leaned up there and told his brother who was leading the singing, he said, he said y'all do that song, Somebody Touch Me. And so we started singing. It was on a Monday, and it was on Tuesday. People stand up on the day they got saved on. Well, got to the end of it, and he said, somebody got a salvation testimony. And uh, somebody did, and then we sang another verse, and then somebody else got a testimony. Two women over, there, one of them said, I, "I said I got saved in the Franklin County Jail." The other said, "I got saved in Franklin County Jail too." Both of them they're jail ministry. They, they're converts from the jail minister there. And uh, so we sang, "It was in jail, somebody touched me." We went through that, and he said, "Anybody else got a salvation testimony?" Well, I gave mine real quick, and then and then a the guy behind me, outside the edge of the tent, he said, "I just want to say that this guy over here." said I needed to come tonight and I'm here and I want you to pray for me. I ain't sure I'm saved. And I got a lot of demons. And and the preacher said, Why don't you come on down to the altar, brother? Come on down here. Let's pray for you. And so he got down there to the altar and knelt and prayed. I got down there with him, Brother Mark got down there with him. Uh, several other preachers that were there got down there with him and we prayed. We prayed for him and then Brother Troy he went through he went through uh, asking him if he if he believed that Jesus Christ had the power to save him, he believed what he did on Calvary was enough to save him. But if he trusted that, if he would believe on him and and ask Jesus to save him, and he did, he right there he prayed, man, in his own words, he asked Christ to save his soul. And and uh, and anyway, he, he said, I want you to get up and tell everybody what happened to you. Before he got up, he said, I'm a. He said, well, I just want to tell you, I'm a guitar player in the church. <laughs> so, hey, God save anybody! Don't mind if you be playing. Listen, I, I'll tell you, I remember. I remember hearing the story when I was a kid of a pastor's wife walking down on a revival meeting walking down to the to the altar and on her way by her husband she looked at him and she said I'm not going to hell for you or anybody and she went down there and got saved amen so there's lots of people sometimes in church they've been playing church for years and God gets a hold of them by, by conviction and they get saved and that's what happened amen and then and we went on ahead, and he preached. You know, he hadn't even preached a Lick, and, and we had one saved. Hallelujah. went by. Everybody shook their hand, and, and we all sat down, sang some more, and he preached. And then the end of it, then another fellow on the outside of ten he came in there and got saved too. Amen. So, hallelujah. God was moving out there last night, and I I'm just, just want to praise God. I got to be in on it. Amen. Got in on that. I, it's been a long time since I've seen somebody interrupt the song service to get saved. I have seen it, but it's been a long time. But I just want to give God the glory. I also want to brag on God. Uh, my wife got a job today in Paris, and, and praise God. I, I thank God for that, and uh, and appreciate your prayers. Any other prayer requests or anything else you want to mention? tonight? I was John's wife. All right. She's got cancer. Okay. I mean, they,
2: they put a wife in her family. it all out. The best they could, but they couldn't get it all. Right. And then she, she worked with cancer people. All
1: arrived.
2: Mm-hmm. Now she does. Right. So now they said it will. They can get on a mission, but it won't come back. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll be praying for that.
2: All right. Anybody? Yes.
0: All right. Well, probably be praying for that too. All right. Well, let's ask God to meet with us tonight, and let's let's go, Lord, in prayer. Robert, lead us in prayer. Okay. power. Got it? That ain't even it. That's a different one. We don't want to do this one anyway. Where's that other one? We need to find it real quick because I don't know this one anyway. So it wouldn't do us a lick of good to try, would it? <laughs> Amen. It's a, this is live. Amen. This. <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't script this kind of stuff. Is it even in here? Well, well, I tell you what we'll do. We'll just pick another one. How about that? All right, let's do that. Let's do. Uh, let's do one fifteen. One fifteen. I must tell Jesus.
1: Oh well.
2: I must tell Jesus all of my trials, I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress He kindly will help me, He ever loves and cares for His own. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles, He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask Him, He will deliver, make up my troubles. Quickly and in. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. Lifted and tried I need a great Savior. One who can help my
1: burdens
2: to bear. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, He all my cares and sorrows will share. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me. Over the world of victory to win. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. Amen.
0: 267.
2: 267. grace to me he had made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed in, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him again that day. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word brought peace within my heart. But I know who I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I know not how the Spirit must convincing me. How wonderful and my song shall ever be How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me For me it was in the garden He prayed not my will but thine He had no tears for his own grief but when drops of blood for mine How marvelous, how wonderful And my song shall ever be How marvelous, how wonderful Is my Savior's love for me In pity angels beheld him And came from the world of lies comfort him in the sorrows he bore for my soul
1: that
2: night. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows faith is very old. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. How marvelous in glory, his face I at last shall see, will be my joy through the ages, to sing of his love for
0: for Jesus, hallelujah, I'm thankful I'm his tonight, so thankful, take your Bible with me, turn to Proverbs 15, chapter 15, amen, we're we're a half a chapter away from being halfway through the book of Proverbs, amen, we get the halfway through this chapter, we'll be there, amen, but I'm not in a rush to get done, I don't know about y'all, I'm not in a rush. Proverbs chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6 tonight. Uh, we're going to break this. We broke the last one up into sevens. We're going to break this one up. I think I'll do six and seven and six and seven and probably uh, I can't remember if it was six or seven the last time, but anyway. But we'll we'll do six tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and find our place there. Chapter 15, first six verses. I'm just going to go ahead and read them. I don't normally do that, but I feel like doing it tonight. So let's read those six verses. It says, a soft answer. Turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. May the Lord add his blessing to his word, reading of his word. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you now, Lord, and I love you. I thank you so much for loving me. And Father, it's been so good the last the last two nights, Lord, to sit under some good Bible preaching, and Lord, have my spirit fed, and I'm thankful, Lord, that you fed me, Lord, I'm thankful that you, Lord, you stirred me up, and I'm I'm, I'm grateful for that, Lord, tonight, I pray, Father, you'll use me for your honor, for your glory, for your kingdom, Lord, speak to your church tonight, Lord, and speak to those who tuned in to join us, Lord, and I pray, Father, that you'll, that you'll edify those that sit in this room, and you'll edify those that, Join us electronically, Lord, the Word of God is so powerful. The Word of God can do more than our brains can comprehend. It can reach into somebody we think would never be touched by the Word of God. We think we think they're, they're too hardened to hear the Word of God. But, Father, we know that that's not so. Lord, I've watched it happen so many times. Lord, when you touch the heart of somebody who says they can't touch me, oh, Holy Spirit of God, do your work. Father, I pray that you'll open the Word of God to us tonight. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you reveal the truth of the Word of God. Lord, I pray it just bloom like a flower for us. And Lord, may we smell the fragrance of it. And I'm going to thank you ahead of time for what you'll do. I thank you for your love and your mercy and your power. Lord, meet with each one now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're starting on a new chapter. And again, uh, the... The subject matter it, it kind of it's all the same it's all about wisdom and the lack thereof, but here we're going to talk we're going to open up this one talking about our speech and the way we talk. A lot of these are about way, the way we talk and the way, things that we say and the way we say them but it go it starts off a soft answer, turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger uh, you know this proverb gives us the most effective way. To interact during a disagreement or an argument, there's a, a soft answer. Uh, you want you want to you want to defuse something. You try to do it with a soft answer. Uh, you know grievous words. You know. If you if you speak softly to somebody rather than scream at them, it does a whole lot more good. They're more likely to hear you if you're speaking soft and calm than if you're screaming and you're using vile words. Amen. I see nodding heads. Amen. We've been here before. Amen. That's good. We're learning. So, hey, listen, I've been there. Believe me, there ain't a thing I'm saying up here tonight that I ain't been through myself. Amen. I'm married to a woman too. Amen. So, fellas, y'all, y'all understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> And, 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 hey, I'm not picking on women. I'm not picking on women. Don't you get mad at me tonight. The Bible says husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. So there's potential there for bitterness, God says. So he tells us not to be bitter. So in order to not be bitter against them, we need to handle them the right way. And in order to handle them the right way, one of those ways is a soft answer. And it's also needful that the wife hear this, too, because she needs to remember that God has called her to reverence her husband. And in doing so, a soft answer, not screaming and hollering and telling me, well, whatever, you're so-and-so and this and that. that that's not God's way of handling that. Uh, Proverbs gives us the way to, to deal with things. But I want you to see something here. The wise man doesn't hide from receiving a rebuke if it's necessary. Okay? Uh, Proverbs 17:10. it tells us a reproof, which is a correction, entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. You can sit there and whoop a fool over and over and over till he's bleeding from head to toe, and he's going to walk away from it and say, I'll do it again. You ain't going to tell me what to do. I'll do what I want to do. That's a fool who won't learn, who won't take correction, who won't ever change. Just uh, my ways right. They don't make no difference what you showed me. You can't correct me by giving me facts or the truth. I got my mind made up. Uh, you know, more often than not, a soft or a tender response creates the right conditions that allow for a profitable conversation. I have learned the hard way that when you're screaming. The other person is not hearing what you're saying. They are only finding the words they're on to scream back at you. They are gathering a more volatile exchange. While you're peeling the paint off the wall, they're getting the jackhammer out. Because because we've already gotten our flesh, and you're not going to one-up me. That's the way you get when you get into that that headspace. Um, I know I'm preaching the truth tonight, (laughs) but on the other hand, If you come at somebody with a comment that hurts the other person rather than coming at them softly, and you hurt them on purpose, you did it, that other person, what are they going to do? They're going to put the dukes up. How dare you come at me that way? Huh? How dare you say that to me? How dare you try to hurt me with your words? Okay? And and guess what they're going to do? They're going to get angry too, and, and the conversation's pretty much over at that point. And all that you hope to gain, you've lost. Well, the wise man is well aware that there are always some who are going to get angry. They're going to get defensive no matter what you do or say because they already had their mind made up. That's what they was going to do before you ever said anything. Okay? So in cases like that, the best advice is simply to just leave the situation alone. Before you get that, i tell you, 26-4. Answer not a fool according to his father lest thou also be like unto him. There's some people you just can't get through to. And, and you're wasting your breath if you try. You know, it was, it was Einstein who said the definition of insanity is a man beating his head against the wall day after day expecting a different result, okay? And again, it, it, you try to convince a fool of something, as long as they're a fool and they won't hear wisdom, as long as they don't want God, as long as they don't want to hear what God's Word has to say, as long as that, that is foolishness to them, then you're wasting your breath trying to get through to them. Until God gets through to them, you might as well stop, because all you do is making the situation worse. So Proverbs is, is, Proverbs is trying to teach us here uh, that cool-headedness is superior to hot-headedness. Okay? A person with a cool head, that's the person, listen, if I'm in a crisis situation and I've got to have help, do I want the cool-headed guy or the, or the hot-headed guy? Think about it. The hot-headed guy will get mad at me and turn on me because the situation is stressful. Whereas the cool-headed guy, he's going to do it right and he's going to get around it. Amen? And God's reinforcing that over and over and over in these Proverbs by talking to us about the fool and the one who can't control himself. And And on and on. So, again, this proverb is also illustrating the Bible's concern for peacekeeping. You know God's for keeping the peace. The Bible says blessed are the peacemakers, right? Amen? Amen. The right response to somebody is one that maintains and promotes relationships, not destroys them. Folks, we live in a short-tempered world. We really do, and people are quick to explode on other people. I was telling the ladies on the way over here this, this evening, my neighbor yesterday, I was trying to get a little mowing done before we went to a revival meeting, and I, I kind of went off the edge of the road and, and, and down and tried to turn, and my middle wheel got off the ground, and I'm there, I'm just high-centered and couldn't go nowhere. My neighbor's pulling out of his pasture, feeding his cows, and I flagged him down, and he come over, and he had a, he had a little tow rope thing, he we throwed it over there and hooked it up, and he pulled me out in the in the road and his truck's kind of sticking out in the road, you know we're on a country farm to market road, and he's just parked there, and we're standing at his hood talking, you know because he's my neighbor, and he ain't seen me in a month or two, so he won't stand there and talk thirty minutes and 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 so anyway, his truck come along and he gone out there and the motion for him to come on around, and they went around and then this red suburban come down the road and this fun-headed woman in it, and she got up there, and he reached out there and flagged her, and she come around us, we were reading her lips, and there was some ugly words flying out of her mouth. He said, good night. What in the world? He's a Christian fella, too. He didn't like it at all. He's Church of God. He, he, did, he didn't care for that at all. And I didn't either. There wasn't no point in that. I mean, all she had, it took two seconds, her slowing down, and getting around us, but yet it was worth her few cuss words at two people who wasn't doing a thing wrong trying to try get a track of uh, a lawnmower unstuck. But people are so quick to lose their temper. I mean, I I read about about people, uh, you know, watch videos of people. You know, somebody they didn't they, they took two seconds too long at a red light to take off when it turned green. Or somebody pulled a gun on them or shoot them. I mean, people just lose their mind. Listen, God's telling us we better be careful. We losing our temper. We better be careful about about uh, about being foolish and rash and. And, uh, and and that way, we need to make sure that we we try to be cool headed instead of hot headed. That that hot tempered is not Christ like. To lose your cool and explode on somebody is not honoring your Savior at all. <clears throat> the right res again, it, it, the right response is working on the relationship, not tearing the relationship up. This book is timeless. You know, I mean, I know it's 2023, but this book's timeless, and this world that we live in right now needs the Word of God. Ain't nothing in this world can correct the mess that's going on in America right now? Nothing. There ain't no, no philosophy, there ain't, there ain't no, uh, uh, no, no politician, there ain't no new program, there ain't nothing but the Word of God can fix the problem today. And you think about this. I mean let me read that verse again. It says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You just think about how many marriages could be saved if that one verse was paid attention to. How many marriages are teetering on the on the brink of, of disaster because folks can't talk to one another right? Because it's selfishness and, and screaming and hollering, I want my way. You don't ever think about my what I want. And the other one says, Well, you don't care about what I want and nobody's caring about what the other one wants. Nobody's, and marriage is supposed to be caring about what the other one wants rather than what you want. I didn't get in to talk on marriage tonight, but it's there. Amen. So I'm going to talk on what God lays in front of me. You know, I mean, you think about this. How many parent child relationships could be repaired by this verse? If instead of screaming at the child and threatening the child and, 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 and I mean, just absolutely losing their cool, if they just oh, and just told them exactly, listen, you're breaking my heart. Instead of yelling, Level with them. Share your heart with somebody rather than your fist. <clears throat> See, when God is obeyed, everything improves. There ain't nobody, I've never, in, in, in 27 years, I think, of ministry, I've never had anybody come up to me and say, you know, since I started reading the Bible, everything's just went to pot. Everything's fell apart. It's just, oh, this, this is coming apart the same since I started following God. No. People People find joy in their life. When people get out of church, that's when things bad start going on. That's when they start doubting. That's when they start questioning their salvation. That's when they that's when they start feeling feeling down. Why? Because when you don't come around God's people, when you don't come to church regular, when you're not in your Bible regular, when you don't have a regular prayer life, when you're not serving God and letting the Spirit of God flow through you, which is your what you're designed. What's designed to happen to every believer is to have the Spirit of God working in them and the love of Christ flowing through you like a water pipe and coming out the spigot for somebody to water them and give them a drink and, and feed them and nourish them. That's what we're here to do. When we do that, ain't nobody going to say, boy, my life's miserable now. No. No. i got to hurry. i got to keep on going. Number, verse 2. That was just one. Amen. Verse 2. The tongue of the wise. The man that speaks with wisdom, the wise man, the tongue of the wise, useth knowledge aright. He uses it right. But the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness.
2: Okay? This
0: this proverb is it's an observation that has unspoken consequences, right? Okay? The wise person is going to do the right thing with wisdom. The fool is going to pour out stupidity everywhere he goes. It's just not, I mean, whatever's in the cup is going to come out, right? You've got a cup full of milk, you're not pouring out coffee. If you've got coffee in there, you're not pouring out milk. Whatever's in there is going to come out. And the fool's got foolishness in him, so foolishness is going to come out. The wise man's got wisdom in him, that's what's going to come out. And it seems pretty obvious, but whenever the wise person speaks, people that listen to a wise person, they're going to get smarter. They're going to know more about how to live life. And be successful at it But those who listen to the babbling of fools Only hear stupid things and, But this verse warns us And I want you to hear me and get this Because it's so, it's so crucial And if you listen to me online Pay attention to what I'm about to say to you This verse warns us That in our actual daily lives We will have to judge Whether we're listening to a wise person Or a foolish person and respond accordingly. We have to make those calls every day. Is this person got any sense talking to me? Or is this person talking foolish nonsense? Or am I hearing something that is of value? We have to make those kind of judgments. Right? Amen? Okay. All right. So we we'll make sure we're all on the same page. Well, let's listen to the Word of God. Okay? Psalm 59, verse 7. Talking about a fool. It says, Behold, they belch out with their mouth. Just like somebody just letting one rip. Right? Okay? They belch you out. What are they belching? Foolishness. They will will speak it anywhere and everywhere. Right? Okay? Swords are in their lips. What do swords do? They'll cut you up. that will hurt you. Right? So that's like, that's like saying, what are they speaking? It's, it's dangerous things. It's foolishness. It's things that'll cost you. All right? Psalm 94, verse 4. How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. Oh, they're all so smart. Wicked people to this world. People think they know more than God does. People think they, they they're so smart they figured out stuff. Well, you know, humans are humans are evolving and we're going to be something greater than we. No, we're devolving. Uh, that's fools. That's foolish talk. I, I listen. I, I sit. I sit and uh, I listen to those idiots talking about brain chips and all that stuff. I mean, I know that stuff's possible, but that ain't what God wants. And that stuff's going to end in disaster, and we know it. So I, I listen somebody like that talk, and I think to myself, that's foolishness. That is so foolish. And, but but people, modern people, they ain't got a sense about what God says, what he wants, or what he says is going to happen. They look at him, and they go, wow, that's amazing stuff. That's fascinating. I want to be a part of that. Foolishness. Anything goes against God's foolishness. The workers of iniquity boast themselves. They brag on what they do, though. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. the heart of the righteous studieth the answer. With the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Just dumps out evil wherever he's going. Why? Because that's what's in his heart. Wickedness. Ecclesiastes 10.14. Ecclesiastes 10.14 says a fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him. Who can tell? The truth is we suffer the words of fools. Not willingly. Look up here but lovingly. You say, not me. Oh, yeah, you do. I'm going to prove it to you. Anybody in here watch movies? You suffer in the words of fools. Who do you think writes in movies? Who do you think produces in movies and directs in movies? You think it's godly people, that does that? You think it's Christian people that, that love the Lord that makes them movies? No, them's God haters, every one of them. Most of them are, are atheists. Or if they're not atheists, they, they're they Kabbalists or or they're, they're Luciferians. Or Listen, you don't get in that movie business without your blackmail because they they don't let you get powerful unless they can control you. I can tell you right now, I've watched too many of them. They've been controlled and they've been done away with because they didn't want to play along. I, I, I'll give you another example. How many how many believers, how many, I, I'm just saying, how many of us in here, how many people watching me tonight uh, sit and watch TV programs? You suffer fools when you do that. Every time you turn that program on, every time you sit and watch that garbage, you suffer fools. Anybody that sit and watches sitcoms, you're suffering fools every time. Because so all they're doing is making a mockery of sin every time they come on. They're joking and laughing about sin. Every bit of it is laughing and joking at sin. That's been for a long, long time. I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, Three's Company, boy, that was a funny show, wasn't it? But they was making a mockery of sin, is all they were doing. They were making a mockery of men and women living together, and one pretending to be a homosexual. And, and I mean, it's just—it was just a mess. And you had the next door neighbor who was a sleaze bag. I mean, it, again, the whole thing was just the one big joke about off-color humor. And it's been that way all along. And we sit and watch it and, and act like it ain't nothing, but we're suffering fools when we do it. And what goes into your ears is going to come back out of you somewhere. I know I'm meddling, I'm needling, but uh, you know what? We need to meddle and needle every now and then. I'll give you more. People watch sitcoms. They watch reality TV. You think that ain't hot garbage? I'm gonna tell you right now that ain't nothing but hot garbage. That ain't nothing but fools who ain't got a clue as to what they're doing, talking foolishness. Uh, you know how many how many of us how many of us uh, listen to or love secular songs that promote
1: sinful things?
0: See, we suffer fools all the time.
1: And and we don't realize
0: that we do. We listen to foolish words. You know, and, and speaking of foolish words, some people will listen to anybody that calls themselves a preacher. All they've got to do is to be on a TV program and standing on a platform and, and walking around and, and, and talking and mention God every two or three minutes. And, and oh, listen to that preacher. That don't make like a preacher. You've got to preach the Word of God if you want to be a preacher. Amen? It's because you get up there and mention God's name. And listen, I, there's people out on the street cussing him mentions his name more often than them folks do on the platform. So I'm telling you, mentioning God's name does not make you a preacher. But there's people who watch some idiot on TV who, ain't, who ain't don't know enough Bible to, uh, to get a kicker saved, and they sit there. oh, he's such a good preacher. Oh, such, oh, oh, I love to watch so-and-so. I just love to watch him, or I love to watch her. And they ain't got a clue what they're watching. Again, why am I saying all this? The tongue of the wise uses knowledge, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Listen, them idiots idiots that don't know enough Bible to to do nothing with, there's no reason to listen to it. And we suffer that junk. People suffer that junk. Uh, And the reason being is because they don't know how to use discernment. Because the Bible tells us. We're to, be, we're to discern between right and wrong. we would be able to tell. Why? Because the Spirit of God is supposed to live in us. and supposed to say to us when we're watching something that don't line up with the Bible, hey, that ain't right. But again, this proverb, it contributes to the idea that the wise are good for us, and we need to be around wise people. And fools are detrimental, and we need to stay clear and choose your entertainment accordingly. Because what goes in is going to come back out. Verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. That's pretty clear. That's pretty direct. But how do we fit this in the context of wisdom? Because that's what we're talking about. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Okay. God's everywhere and God sees it all, right? That's what He's saying. What is that doing? It's reminding us that God is... The one who governs things, isn't it? It reminds us of his governance. That he's the one in charge. It's not us. It's God. God's the one who's ever God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Everywhere? God's everywhere? Yeah, God's behind a tree bark. God's under a rock. God's in God's in the in the truck stop. God's God's down the road at, at wherever wherever you wherever you can go you can't find a place where you can run from God. David said if I if I if I, if I send the heavens are there I'll make my bed in hell. There I say. wherever I go I can't get away from you. When I was in Bible college I felt like God wanted me to leave there and go to Arkansas at that time and I and I, everybody around me was telling me. No, 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 you're making a terrible mistake. You're going to ruin yourself if you do that. You'll be a spiritual gypsy for the rest of your life. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never make a preacher, blah, 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 on and on and on and on. You know what? They wanted my tuition. And that's really what that was all about. I figured that out later. But that was just veiled threats to keep my tuition coming in. But you know what I figured out? Praying at work one night. God lives in Arkansas, too. I said, God, I'd been standing there at my machine that night, halfway praying, halfway yelling. It was so loud in there you couldn't hear yourself think, you couldn't hear yourself talk. I could scream bloody murder, nobody'd hear me. You had a line of big, huge, heavy machines running, and I mean, it was just deafening. And everybody got earplugs in anyway. So I'm standing there just screaming, praying while I'm, I'm spraying that, I'm spraying that hot mold off and and, and closing it back up, shutting the door getting some aluminum out and pouring it in there, pushing the button, shooting it up in there, and letting it set for a minute, and, then it, and it makes its noise, and it comes open, and you take them hot parts out and set them down, and you spray it off again and do it over and over. I've done it 700 and something times a night, 12-hour shifts, praying and praying and praying because I in my heart I knew that I needed to get out of there. But, you know, I was being told every which way I go, you're going to ruin yourself if you did that. But I opened my Bible, psalm 139 just randomly and i never do that but i just said god show me something i need to i need to hear from you why can't you speak that's why i was screaming out loud at my machine god why can't you just speak out loud to me where i know what to do i went in there and sat down on break opened my bible psalm 139 put my finger down and that's where david said if I send to heaven, they are there. If I make my bed in hell, they're there. If I take the wings of the morning and all that. He was telling me I live in Arkansas too. If you go there, I'll be with you and I ain't gonna no leave you. Amen. Comforting to know that, that God is omnipresent. There's nowhere we can go that we can't find him. And it's it's also comforting to know that he's omniscient. God knows everything. God, God knows everything. That's scary and confidence all the time at the same time. All right? It'd be terrifying to me but for the blood of Jesus because I know my sins are washed white as snow. Thank God for that because if it wasn't the case, I'd be hell bound quick. But God is in control. God's the governor. God's in charge of things. And, again, there's many other verses through the Bible that echo this proverb, Proverbs 521, for the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. He pondereth all his goings. There's nothing you do that God doesn't see and God doesn't think about and God doesn't study. Job thirty-four, twenty-one and twenty-two. For the eye for his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. They can't you can't get away from God. You can't find a place to hide where his judgment
2: ain't gonna fall on you.
0: Jeremiah twenty three, twenty four, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Where are you going to go? And you can't go nowhere. Hebrews four thirteen, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That proverbs just helping us to understand God's in control. And the idea that God watches evil and good people implies that He's the one who makes the distinction between who's good and who's evil. Not me or you. God is the one. <clears throat> Don't you ever doubt or forget that the Lord knows everything, including what's going on in your heart right now. <clears throat> Four. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A wholesome tongue is a, is a tree of life, but perverseness therein, perverseness in the tongue therein, is a breach in the spirit. So this verse is about the consequences, again, of our words. The healthy tongue would be the one that speaks straightforward truth. Somebody that's honest, believes and always tells the truth. An honest person will speak the truth without concern for the circumstances. If it costs me, if I tell the truth, well, so be it. So, well, I'll just have to pay whatever I've got to pay. You know, an a, a honest person will tell the truth regardless who it hurts. Well, if you're not in line with the truth, it may hurt. I can't help that, but I'm going to tell the truth regardless. Amen? I, listen, I'd a whole lot rather somebody tell me the truth and it crush me than somebody lie to me and and, and it, it destroy me later. I mean, listen, tell me the truth so I can do something about it now. Person, a wholesome tongue, they'll speak what's right. You know what? They promote life, not death, with their tongue. The Bible says life and death are in the power. Life and death are in the tongue. So the person who speaks right promotes life. For the metaphor here, the tree of life, the point to that is that a healthy tongue encourages life. Again, Proverbs 3.18, it says she, and it means wisdom there, is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. So when a person when a person basically says, I've decided to follow Jesus, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get saved. I'm gonna trust Christ now that He's convicted me of my sin and I know that I'm lost, I'm gonna trust Jesus as my Savior and I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna live for Him. I'm gonna be obedient. I want to keep His commandments. And 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 if you do that, you're seeking that wisdom. And God will put that wisdom into you, and the Bible says it is a tree of life, right? Okay, a tree of life. That don't sound bad to me. That sounds pretty good, matter of fact. A good things going to come from a tree of life. To so all them that lay hold on her. So it doesn't, it doesn't say to all them who are favorable toward her, or all those that like her, no, There's a difference between that and laying hold on something. That means, that's, that's like grabbing a hold around it and saying, I ain't letting go of this for nothing. I'm staying right here. I found what I'm looking for. I ain't going nowhere else. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. You keep, you stay there. You stay with wisdom. The Bible says you're ha- you'll be happy. Because you know what? God, God will bless you. Proverbs eleven thirty. It says, "The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise." Somebody tell me, somebody tell me, Matt, what the fruit of an apple tree is? Sort of. What is? I mean, yes, you can say that's the fruit of an apple tree, but what is the real fruit of an apple tree? It's another. It's another apple tree. If it reproduces after its kind, it don't just make an apple. That apple in turn makes another tree, right? Okay. So, what is the fruit of an orange tree? Huh? Another orange. Tree. What's the What's
2: the
0: What's the fruit of a fig tree? What's the fruit of a pecan tree? Exactly. And what is the fruit of a tree of life? That's another tree of life. So. If, how do we lay hold on that tree of life? Well, that's by trusting Christ, by believing on him and being born again. So the fruit of being a Christian is to what? To reproduce yourself. How do you do that? You do that by sharing how you got saved with someone else so that they can understand how to be saved and that they believe what you're sharing with them and they trust in with all their heart, believe on him, then they can be a tree of life as well. And by holding on, laying hold on that tree of life for themselves, then they are in turn able to reproduce and create another believer. That's what God wants us to do. That's the purpose of being a believer and living in, down here on this earth. And the Bible says if you do it, you're wise. The person who's wise will do that. On the other hand, then there's the perverse tongue. That person's not trying to do good for anybody but themselves, and that person is willing to do whatever it takes to do good for themselves, such as lie to somebody and mislead them. That's what a perverse person will do. They will tell lies because their heart is perverted. And when I say perverted, that does not necessarily mean they have a sexual proclivity toward young people or anything of that nature. You can have a perverted heart and just to do the wrong thing, okay? A perverted heart, somebody's... Perverted means that it's messed up. It's not what it was. It's not what it should be. It's not pure. It's not right. It's It's been damaged or jaded or tainted or whatever. Uh, and a perverse tongue is one that, no matter what you try to get them to do, they gonna tell you the truth. They just do lie to you. Just look at you. Psalm 52, 2 through 4 says, Thy tongue deviseth mischief like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and in lying rather than to speak righteousness. Thou lovest all devouring words, oh, thou deceitful tongue. Proverbs 26, the words of a talebearer that's a liar, are his wounds. And they go down to the innermost part of the belly. It
2: means it hurts,
0: and it hurts deep. A lie and perverted speech can have no positive effects. It breaks the spirits of those that listen to it. John 10, 10 says, a thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what a lion tongue does. It steals, kills, and destroys. And who's the father of life? That's the devil. Jesus said, I'm coming that they might have life. You take hold of that tree, there's life there. And, and they might have it more abundantly. Listen, the longer you stay at that tree of life, the longer you have a hold of that thing, the, the stronger you're going to become, the more wise you're going to become, and the more fruitful you're going to become. You know what else it shows us? God cares about the... Psychological consequences of speech and actions. God cares about what our actions do to other people. God's all about free will. I Somebody say, well, I just say what I want to. Do. It's free choice. I can say anything I want to do. And, and I, you know, and God, again, God's for free will. I know that. And I know God's in favor of free speech. Amen? Because he's in favor of free will. But that does not keep us from understanding that there are consequences to words. You know, a sick individual that goes into a crowded theater and starts screaming, fire, fire, fire. What's he going to do? He's going to end up getting somebody hurt if not killed trying to get out of a theater when there ain't no fire. That's a perverted person to do something like that when there's no fire. Wouldn't you say? That's a perverted way of thinking. That's a messed up individual, right? And, And you know what? They would surely face consequences for their words because words matter. Words either heal or words harm. Words can destroy they're like bullets. You can't call them back once you've spoken. Words, listen, words can destroy somebody's testimony forever. You take somebody who's a believer and, 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 and all their life, they, they, they've been a, been a decent person, but somebody crossed them and, and, and get them really mad, and, man, they just go off on a cussing and streak and, and threaten somebody, well, people don't forget that. And then some people have never let them live it down and never hear another word they had to say. Our words are very important. Verse five: A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that re- regardeth reproof is prudent. <clears throat> fool despiseth his father's instruction. Well, we've talked about that lots and lots. You know, some 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 people just won't listen. They got to learn the hard way. They got to bust their head wide open, and still some of them don't learn. I was one of them who almost didn't learn. But this proverb. It comments on the importance of being open to discipline as a route to wisdom. You know, you got to go through the gate of discipline to get to the to the pasture of wisdom. It's just that's the way it is. You don't get to wisdom recklessly. Uh, if somebody can't stand to hear somebody point out their mistakes, if they can't take steps to correct their mistakes, then they're doomed to be perpetually wrong. Luke fifteen eleven through thirty two. I'm gonna turn over and read that. I debated whether or not to even do this because of time, but I got a second or two. Um, Proverbs 11, uh, 15, rather, eleven to thirty two. That's the story of the prodigal son. If you don't, if you're not familiar with the the place in the Bible, but Proverbs fifteen. I said not eleven. Proverbs fifteen. I'm, I'm sorry, not Proverbs, but Luke. <laughs> Luke fifteen. Um, Verse eleven, it says, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So he he he'd been raised up, and I'm gonna say it was a good home because he was a good dad, and yet when he got when he got all that money that he did not earn. He did not make, he had not lifted one finger to earn that money, but yet here's his inheritance and he took it and he despised his father's instruction. That's why he left and he went away because he didn't want to be there under his father's control no more. So he, he took half that money, which wasn't his, It was, I mean it would have been his, but he took it ahead of time. He didn't have no business with all that money. He had no control, he had no discipline over himself. And he went off knowing what he was doing. I know what I'm going to do. I got this figured out. I know more than that old man does. He don't know nothing. He's stupid. Look at how he lives his life. He's sitting there just doing the same thing day after day. It's like a boring routine. It's so dull and boring. I can't stand to be here. I got to get away from this place. I'll never come back here if I ever get out of here. I have to hear him because I've heard all those, those things said by somebody else. Uh, I was one of them. <laughs> but... Again, he didn't appreciate what he had. He despised his father's instruction. You know, if somebody can't bear to hear, again, they're going to be wrong forever. They can't handle it. And it's stupid not to give those, to not listen to those in authority give advice because God placed them there in authority for a reason. Amen. God didn't make mistakes when he put somebody in a place of authority. You may not want to hear what they got to say, but God put them there for that reason. Uh, Proverbs 1.3 tells us that Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is given to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. So, again, what's right, and, 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 I mean, we're supposed to receive it and, and take it in in fairness. And, and judgment, all those things. Listen, you've got to hear those things before those things become a part of you. Proverbs one twenty three. Turn you at my reproof. When I correct you, turn around. Behold, he said, if you'll do that, listen to what God says. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. Well, he's, he's offering to give you his wisdom. If you'll turn around and listen to me, and I will make known my words unto you. Not only will you... See them, but you'll understand them. But the, father, but the fool despises that. I don't want to hear all that. I got some partying to do, man. I got to go. I got a pocket full of money, and, they, and there's some women down in that town waiting on me, and we have been have a high time. I'm going to go spend it up. And he did. It didn't take long. It was gone because it didn't mean nothing to him. It was gone. He despised his father's instruction. That's why he spent his father's money like he did. but praise God. His brother didn't do that, did he? Now, I know there's something in there I could be saying about his brother, too, but he that regardeth reproof. His brother had a problem with attitude whenever whenever his younger brother came home and all that. And I understand all that, and that's, that's to be preached on another time. But what I want you to understand is what the father said to the older brother when he come back mad. He came in from the field, and he said, what are you doing? That snot, no punk, done come back from town, and he's broke. And what are you going to do? You're going to give him a robe? You're going to put a ray on his finger, put shoes on his feet, clean him up, and kill that fatted calf? I've been feeding off for a month now, trying to get it all fatted up, and you going to kill him, feed that sucker and his friends? Are you kidding me? Yeah, he was mad. But notice what the father said to him. Let me read it. Now, the elder son was in the field, and he came, and he drew nigh unto the house, and he heard music and dancing. Boy, his blood got, his blood got to boil He called one of the servants, and he asked, what in, what in the world is going on? What do these things mean? That's what he said. That's what he said. What in the world is going on here? He said unto him, well, thy brother's come, and the, fatted, uh, and the father killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in, and therefore came his father out and intrigued him. He walked out and said, son, please, don't act like this. Come into the house. And he answered, and said unto his father, Lo, these many years did I served thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. I've been obedient to you, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. He wasn't mad over his brother. He was really mad because his daddy never let him have a party. <laughs> But as soon as this thy son was come, this dirty, rotten bum come up the driveway like that nasty, broke as he was, he said, Which hath avoided his living with harlots, that kill for him the fatty calf. Now listen to what he said. He said, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meat that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, lost in his family. He that regardeth with proof, that was the brother. I mean, he he listened to his dad all along. And, and and again, he wasn't. I don't know that he was so right to be angry because he blowed up the picture of grace, but what I'm trying to say is he had been obedient, and he had been there, and he had every. The, the father said, all that I have is there. Amen? Hey, what he's saying, listen, it, I mean, regardless of his anger, he that regardeth reproof is prudent. He didn't have to go through the process of losing everything, you see. He listened in the beginning. He stayed put. He was blessed. There wasn't a day he wasn't. He was jealous, but he was blessed. He had everything. He didn't have to go out and, and, and lose it all and have to eat Eat slop in the in the nasty uh, pig, or whatever you want to call it, excrement out there, crawling around on his hands and knees, eating in that environment. He didn't have to go through all that. Hallelujah. Thank God for those who listened. I wish I had listened. I wish I hadn't had to take the bumps and the bruises I took. I did it because I was foolish for a long time. But thank God God got through to me and turned me around. Hallelujah. I got one more. we done. Verse 6, in the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. The Proverbs describing the effects of the efforts of the righteous and the wicked, the first being positive and the second being negative. Okay, What what the efforts of the righteous are, there's much treasure. The revenues of the wicked, there's trouble. It's, it's one or the other. And the first speaks to the fact that righteousness has effects on the individual. If you live a righteous life, there's going to be a it's going to have an effect on you. God you don't just do it for nothing. God blesses the one who who serves him. And and the Bible says much treasure is in the house of the righteous, but I want to make clear tonight that much treasure doesn't have to be understood in terms of material things. You can have much treasure and not have material things. Let me ask you a question. Can you put a price on peace in your own heart? Being able to lay down on a pillow at night and rest with peace in your heart. Can you put a price on that? The Bible says in the house of righteous is much treasure. You know why? When I lay down to sleep at night, I'm not sitting there fretting over things. I got peace in my heart. I know, I know where my soul lies. I know, I, know, I know that my sins have been washed away. I know that I have a home in heaven that won't ever change, that won't ever tarnish. Let me ask you this. What kind of price would you put on a happy marriage? How valuable, how important is that? The Bible said in the house of the righteous is much treasure. Listen, if you love the Lord and you're serving the Lord together, you're going to have a good marriage. And how much how much value do you put on that? What about, what about having children that are saved and having grandchildren that are saved? No Lord. What kind of value do you put on that? Again, the house of the righteous is much treasure. What kind of value do you place on that stuff? That's that's priceless, right? So you only get that if you know Jesus. Now what about the second half of that proverb? But in the but the in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Well, I'll just read to you what Matthew Poole said about it. He said, though he may obtain great revenues, there's a lot of rich people that's got all kind of money. He may obtain great revenues yet are they attended with much trouble and vexation. Either because they are strangely blasted and taken from them, they lose everything just overnight, or because they are embittered to them by their own insatiable desires. In other words, you know, again, they can't find satisfaction in them. You know, the Bible says, he that loveth silver will never be satisfied with silver. You always got to have more or tormenting cares and fears, or the horror of their guilty consciences, or by diverse other ways, they'll never be satisfied. You do it the wrong way, you'll never find peace, because you'll always be worried that you're going to lose it all. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 14, we're closing up here in just a second. He that loveth silver should never be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. That's emptiness. When goods increase, listen, they're increased than in eat. You make more money, guess what? You're going to find more bills, right? Amen. It always works that way. It Don't make no difference how much money you make. And what good is there to the owners thereof? Save, saving the beholding of them with their eyes. In other words, you get to see the money pass through. That's all. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Rich man lays awake at night worried about people getting what he's got. There is sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. The riches end up hurting them in the long run, but those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth a son and there is nothing in his hand. In other words, he has a son to leave it all to and he ends up with nothing. Please ask these five, uh, let's see, no, I haven't read that. James 5, 1 through 3. And I'm closing on this one. James says, go to now, which means, look here now, you rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your miseries? Well, you're rich. Oh, sometimes that don't save you from all those troubles. (laughs) Your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver's cankered. And the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as if it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. That's God speaking through James there. Again, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Let's stand together. Let's get ready to go to the house tonight. Thank the Lord for his blessings. Amen. Thank the Lord for him speaking to us and and, uh, through his word tonight.